into the van life. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And today, we have an awesome guest. We have uh, we have Alex from you Nomadic <laughs> Alpha. I was going to say Nomadic Alpha first, and then Alex after, and then I wanted to go the opposite way as I was speaking. I'm, I've been messing that up lately. <laughs> I've been messing it up a lot. It's not an interesting to pronounce to A lot of people are like, Nomadic Alpha? What does it even stand for? What does it even stand for? So, Alpha is the pseudonym I used forever. It's my first name and last name. Alexis Fouché. And I'm like, ah, I guess A-L-F-O. It kind of works. And, yeah. You know. To me, it kind of feels like you are the cream of the crops when it comes to, like, nomads. You know what I mean? Like, the alpha. Like, the alpha dog. Mm-hmm. You know, the top. And, oh. and, and realistically, to me, it, like, you embody that, too. I everybody mean, knows that you <laughs> everybody knows you and you're kind of like the conduit that brings people together as well and i like hanging out with people so yeah. yeah yeah i never thought about it that way yeah and like even when people are mm-hmm. in like a hard situation you're there to help them out and that's something the alpha would do i feel like mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely yeah. so let's take it back to the beginning obviously you've had a bunch of different rigs you're in a really cool one right now but Way back when you first got on the road, like what was inspiring you to want to live nomadically? So it started when I moved to San Francisco and realized how expensive it was. I was like, that that can't continue. I'm not saving any money. So I was looking for buses just because I saw a tour video on YouTube. Probably like everyone else who started mm-hmm. Van Life for Bus Life. And I was like, I need one of those. I really want one of those. I didn't know anything about building like that does, but... I was doing computer science, so not at all that expertise. And I found one that was already half built. And I bought it from Michigan instantly, drove it back. I actually bought it on my birthday, so it was kind of like oh. a birthday gift to myself. And then parked it in the middle of Nevada and built it in the middle of nowhere with my dad who flew in to help me. Wow. That's awesome. What a, what a like, building experience, like a bonding experience that you could have with your father, too. Did yeah. that, like, help your relationship or hurt it? Oh, definitely helped it. So when I was much younger, we built a house, uh, kind of, well, it was free labor because I was a kid, So, but I loved helping my dad building the house, and yeah, it was kind of a cool experience. He actually offered to fly to help me, and I was like, yeah, yeah, of course you should. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> so did it bring you back to remembering those childhood moments of like building that house together with your dad? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. It was great. Ex- Especially because he knew like woodworking and I didn't know anything about it, but electrical, that was kind of my expertise. So I was doing that while he was doing the woodworking. It was fun. Yeah, and I mean, Alex's bus it was super badass. I mean, I shouldn't say was because it's still there. You still have it. <laughs> I still have it for now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that bus could charge any rig. Uh, it, it just has all the bells and whistles that you need to be like completely off-grid for a really long time. I mean, you lived in it in, in the Yukon. Yeah. For a winter. So, yeah, when I built that bus, I wanted something that could handle the extreme. And the first thing I wanted to do while living in a bus was being upgraded for three weeks. Idly a month, but I knew I couldn't do it. So three weeks, not talking to anyone, not seeing anyone, not driving to a store or anything, just three weeks, middle of nowhere. And it took me six months to finally manage to do it, because there was always something I forgot, like, oh, I forgot some food, I forgot some water, I forgot something. Or you were just making too many friends, and they were like, you can't be alone, we're coming with you. Well, that too, the first day in the bus was the first day of Skullipalooza. Wow, that's actually really epic, because probably that's how you meet so many people. 
because I feel like you're mm. always going to the events and you're always, you know, mm. you have um, Cafe Alpha in the in the rig and he's inviting people over for coffee and cocktails <laughs> and the whole thing. So if you see his rig at a festival. <laughs> Come on in for coffee. Right. <laughs> I was just saying, just go knock on the door, but that's up to Alex. You know? <laughs> if you if you see the reflectors up, leave them alone. When the reflectors are down, you can come on over. I'm a late sleeper, so anything before nine a.m. probably gonna be asleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's an amazing way to like find your community mm -hmm. so quickly. Just like roll into an event the first yeah. day that you're living in the bus. It was kind of fun because everyone was asking me questions like, oh, so you got 600 water panels. Do you think it's enough? Like, have you been able to leave with that? And I was like, I don't know. It's my first day, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and how many years ago was that? That was 2019, I think. Yeah. Yeah, four years ago, four and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So you've upgraded one time since. Like, what's the new rig like? What? what? I technically count my bus as three upgrades because I got it from someone who already built it. I got it everything back to the installation, built it, and then I rebuilt it again twice. Wow. While still living slash camping in it while I was rebuilding it. Mm. And then I built a truck and I didn't make the mistake of leaving in the truck while building it this time. So I kept the bus, slept in the bus, was great, and then built a truck on the side. So for once I moved into a vehicle that I was down building. <laughs> what, what was the hardest aspect to like living out of the rig while building it? Uh, finding where to sleep. Because mm. like you, you want to leave all your tools out and everything. You don't want to have to put everything back all the time. But then you're like, so where do you sleep? There's some sawdust over there. You can make a nice cushion or something. Or when you spray foam the truck, you're like, oh cool, I can sleep on spray foam. It's going to be comfy. Mm -hmm. but then I feel like that sounds toxic. <laughs> you're like, ah, I just sprayed it. Perfect. Let's sleep in that soup. <laughs> on the label, it's like... Uh, make sure the air out for eight hours. <laughs> and then y'all just laying on top of it. I mean, that what an amazing experience because I know there's a lot of people out there that are in the middle of their builds and they don't have a place to live, right? And they're they're trying to figure out exactly how it is. And to hear somebody that has done it, like that's that's huge. I feel like. Uh I wouldn't do it again, though. No. <laughs> I would probably find an Airbnb, asking if I can build it in the backyards or something. I wouldn't do that again. Mm -hmm. I was rough. Yeah. yeah. But and yet I, I mean, made the same mistake three times, so <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Well, I feel like maybe did it start like, oh, I'm just going to upgrade this one thing, and then mm -hmm. it turns into this huge project, or did you know you were going to, like, redo it? The last renovation, I was like, I'm just going to move the bed a little forward because I want to get more room in the garage in the back, and that turned out to change the whole layout so that was kind of unexpected so when I removed the bed I was like okay no I gotta be quick because I got nowhere to sleep yeah <laughs> oh my god I would hate that yeah that would be tough for me too yeah. I mean we built our we built our first rig uh on the street of Brooklyn which is hard enough as it is because yeah that's, like tight crazy tight places <laughs> but we had an apartment so, like, we would be able to, like, just go back to the Well, and you could, like, bring all the tools back Inside. in the house and just lock up or whatever, yeah. so you're not, like, worried about it. And then the stuff. second rig, we built in, like, an HOA parking lot for a little while and then moved to a friend's house that was, like, gated, you know, type of thing. So, a lot more safety. Actually, one of the nights, this brings me back to a thought, one of the nights we were, um, we just got done building or whatever, and we put all the tools in the van, we locked up the van, we went on inside, and the next morning we woke up to about 50 cars that got broken into. Oh, but wow. it wasn't like the cars that were locked. It was the cars that left their doors unlocked. Mm. So, so we got really lucky. So we got lucky. really lucky. Wow. Yeah, and because we had a whole thing of tools. If they would have just broke into our van, they mm. would have got away with probably like two or $3,000 worth of tools. 
You know, that, so yeah, that would have been a really bad day. Whew, that would have been a real mm-hmm. bad day. You talk about putting a halt on the build too, because yeah. now you're like, oh my god, we have no tools, we have no stuff, like we have no money. Mm-hmm. Do I give up? Do I buy the tools again? Is it worth it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So like, uh, luckily we locked it. So I think the the moral of the story is make sure that you at least lock up the rig if you ha- if you're not in it. You know, mm-hmm. always. Yeah. What scares me with buses is we all have the emergency exit on the roof and no one ever locks it. There's no way to lock it, so... Right down and in, mm-hmm. easy, yep. easy way to grab some stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, though, I, I would say like the nice part about us living in our rigs is that the amount of time that we're not in them is pretty low. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the opportunity of death is a little bit lower. But if people are sitting there watching, you know what I mean? Like, they could take that opportunity. I thought he had someone climb on the roof while I was inside the bus. I was like, is someone trying to steal something from me? No, they were playing paintball in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and they saw a bus and were like, oh, it's got to be like Fortnite or something. And they just climb on the roof to hide. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, yeah, like, get off my, my bus. <laughs> Wild. You, you can see my barbecue outside, my chairs. Like, you know I'm leaving here. And the girl was like, oh, sorry, I didn't notice. Climb on the roof of a bus. <laughs> she was single-minded focus. She's like, I'm going to get she the kill really shot. The like, I'm the sniper. <laughs> yeah. I'm the sniper up here. Nobody's ever going to find me. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, your rig just gets hit with paintballs. Yep. <laughs> like, son of a bitch. Uh, so tell us some of the, like, the cool places that you've been. Because like you were saying, you did like an extreme winter or whatever. Or you wanted to be super off-grid. Um, so where has that kind of taken you? So Super Grid was the first idea and then the plan was to go to Alaska in the summer and come back, which did not happen. I made some amazing friends in the Yukon and decided to stay for winter. Winter in the Yukon gets really cold. The coldest night I had was negative 55, which was probably Fahrenheit or Celsius. Anyway, it's cold. Yeah. Uh, Thankfully, I wasn't in the bus for two months. I rented a small cabin, totally off-grid, barely any power. That was a pretty cool experience, but then I moved back into the bus in the middle of winter in negative 30, 40 degrees. Was it hard to keep the bus, like, warm? Uh, I had the diesel heater, I had a small electric heater, which I could run in like half power with the extension cord, and that was enough for me. But mm. obviously I love jackets, even inside, and some mm-hmm. blankets. Mm. Like, I don't imagine you're ever like, wow, it's toasty. Mm-hmm. You're kind of just like, okay, like, I'm comfortable. Yeah, it's more, it's more like, oh, it's going to be above freezing tonight? Wow, wow. it's going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> I like, just the attempt to try to keep, like, your water from getting frozen. Oh, I totally gave up on water. Yeah. I had a blue jug right under the sink. Uh, I put in the pickup truck, and then I was filling up in someone's bathtub. It had to be hot water, because it's just on the drive back for half it an freeze. hour. The water would freeze in the truck. Wow. It's like, that's mm. something you don't think about in everyday mm. life, you know? So. Like, it's so cold that if you get a pot of boiling water and throw it outside, it's going to turn into snow before it touches the ground. What What do you think, like, the after experiencing this, where do you think it, like, built you as a person? Like, do you now, you know, things... I don't take things for granted after living this life, you know? Is mm-hmm. that is that one of the ways? Like, what? how, do you, how have you grown from these things? Uh, it's an experience I wanted to do, and I managed to do it, and survived and actively enjoyed it so now now i know it's something i could try again and try to enjoy it better and learn from the mistakes i've made so mm-hmm. the truck this winter uh was in negative 35 degrees temperature and it was nice and cozy inside the water still running no pipe froze ever 
So I'm kind of want to do it again. <laughs> cool. I love that. I love that idea. Alex and I actually have been throwing around the idea of, you know, one day living in Alaska for a winter and just seeing, you know, how it might even be the Yukon. You yeah, know. or even like northern anywhere in Canada. Yeah. It's yeah. very cold. <laughs> like legit. Yeah. yeah. And so southern Canada. Southern Canada. Just live at, but we want to be like kind of off the beaten path, just like, you know, Alaska, the Yukon or any of the places that are in the northern territories, you know, just just so we have to survive mm. ourselves. And imagine all the good content you could get. Like we went ice fishing with the van. So you park on the lake and you go ice fishing. Yeah. So cool. That'd be amazing. Yeah, it would be amazing. Yeah. And the story around it that you mm. could that will be created just by being there and like the the things that you're unaware of at the time before doing it, like the challenges mm. you're gonna come into and then being able to like really show those challenges mm-hmm. I think would be incredible. And also finding like the simple pleasures and things, you know, like enjoying the fact that you have like a nice hot soup or you know like you have a good book to read or you have you know you're warm enough and you Mm -hmm. feel comfortable like I think um a lot of van life in general and all these like survival things is to put you out of your comfort zone Mm -hmm. so that you can appreciate what it is to be comfortable yeah totally yeah and you need a lot of backups too to feel comfortable so if you got one diesel heater what if it breaks overnight you want to know that you got the backup with propane or second diesel heater or something else mm-hmm. uh, my propane froze my diesel froze and i had the electric backup so i had the backup of the backup wow and that kind of saved the who night. ever would have thought that propane and diesel would freeze well i know about diesel freezing mm-hmm. i never have experienced propane freezing I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, oh, propane is probably freezing at like negative 100 something. Yeah, yeah. like some scientific no, level. No, it was like negative 31 or something. I wow. think it creates too much moisture in the line and the moisture freezes. Mm. I, don't, I don't know the actual reasoning behind it, but it freezes like... That makes sense because propane creates a lot of condensation. Mm-hmm. So you, like, there's a ton of moisture in it when you're using it. So that would be the thing that would make the most sense to me. Maybe it doesn't allow the pressure to push through. Yeah, I think you, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. I wonder with the diesel, though, because, like, for when we had the diesel sprinter, you would put, like, the 911 in it or whatever it is Mm -hmm. to, like, keep it not cold. I don't know what it does. Well, so here's the thing is, like, when you're getting fuel up in those places, (laughs) they they already have have that mixed in. But if it gets too cold, it still freezes. Correct? Yeah, so they have diesel number two. Diesel number two is the diesel we all buy all the time. Then they have winter diesel, which they still call diesel number two. And then there's diesel number one, which is just kerosene. Mm -hmm. And all diesel engines on all the buses, they run on kerosene, no problem. Mm It doesn't lubricate the engine as much, but you're also driving in negative temperatures, so it's still not going to like it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like, shut me off. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I was doing. The guy I rented a cabin from had an airplane, so I had a big tank of kerosene. Mm -hmm. So I was able to fit up on kerosene and never had issues with diesel Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, uh, kerosene uh, doesn't have, like, a freeze point. Or if it does, it's way lower. It does. It's way lower. It's... uh, the reason why airplanes use kerosene or jet fuel yeah, just because they're uh, way up high. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this. We haven't kind of explained. What is the rig that you're in now? So the rig now is a military or ex-military vehicle. Uh, it's a Stuart and Stevenson M1078, 1079 for the cab. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a big truck that's always 4x4, huge tires, and the army actually call it van. So, uh, mm-hmm. so doing van life. It's van life, bus, bu- like box truck life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like kind of in between, and it's it honestly, it's a super sweet rig. And just watching the ability of it, like watching you pull people out of the soft sand 
And, like, I'm, we're not just talking about, like, a car. We're talking about, like, a full 40-foot bus. You know, we're talking about mm. a truck with a full uh, fifth, wheel. fifth wheel on the back of it, you know. It was something that was designed to never get stuck, and if it does, to be able to get unstuck by itself. Mm -hmm. So you got a lot of uh, features you can enable to get unstuck. So it's always 4x4, four four, but then you can also lock the center differential. So you got two tires at least spinning in sand. You can deflate the tires just from the cab, push a button, deflate all the tires, and then you can climb up on the sand and get out. Yeah, and you could deflate, you could deflate your tires specifically but, to zero. Yeah. You have run flats. I can run on run flats, so if I get a flat tire, I can just keep driving slowly, but I can drive. Mm -hmm. Wow. But what scares me is, uh, what if I get stuck? Who mm. comes to pull me out? Uh, another one of those rigs. Another one of those. Wazamu would have to show up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah somebody, somebody who has that same capability. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you have a backup and a backup and a backup and a backup. Mm -hmm. And so if you went through all of those and you were still stuck, like, whoa, you're in there. Yeah, mm -hmm. I got a shovel, so I could shovel my way out. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it's a lot to shovel if you get stuck because yeah. that means your tires are in deep. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're, the only way I feel like that thing gets stuck is this if the chassis hits? Yeah, and you're and you're just sitting on top. And the of chassis this. is already, I think, twenty two inches high. Yeah, that's a least. lot of digging. Yeah. It's a lot of digging. Yeah, that's a lot of digging. <laughs> but I mean, the the whole point is like, there's for the most part, you're never really gonna get in a situation. I, I say the most part because it could happen, but there's very few situations that's gonna put you out of commission and stuck. I hope so. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gone stuck yet. Yeah. Yet. So yet. let me ask you this. What was the motivation to go from the school bus to this like badass military van? Getting stuck a lot in the bus. Uh, I love winter. I love the snow. And I got stuck in the snow way too many times. Mm -hmm. More than I want to admit. Mm -hmm. I had tire chains, but they take forever to put on on the bus. They're mm -hmm. huge. They're heavy. Uh, and I don't want to be driving with chains all winter long. Mm -hmm. So... Then I went south and I got stuck in the sand, stuck in the mud. So uh, that was the first year of living in a bus and then I gave up trying to drive on those places. So I just decided that I wouldn't even attempt if I see some sand or mud in front of me. Mm -hmm. So that kind of limited the options I could of the places I could go to. Mm -hmm. And then the truck opens up so much more options now where just coming down from Montana this winter, there was a there was a big lake that I like to camp in the summer, and there was no tire tracks or anything. It was covered in snow and brand new, like puffy snow. Just went right through it, and I knew that no one else could follow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I was like, I know I'm gonna be alone at this spot, and I'm pretty remote, so that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. and having that full isolation mm -hmm. is the most incredible thing. I mean, that's one of the things that you know we 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 would love to have, you know, and that's why we think about building a rig like that. Because we also know the feeling of getting stuck a lot, and then you mm -hmm. see something and you're like, well, <laughs> that's going to be bad news. And even if you maybe could have got through and you could have made it, you, you have this like internal block where you're like, I don't even want to try, mm -hmm. because if I do get stuck, I'm out here alone or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like right here where we're parked on the beach in Baja, you know, if we get stuck there, there's literally like... 50 other rigs and your rig is here so we were like whatever there's probably even 50 people who can push the van, push the van sure. yeah. we can even lift it up yeah, <laughs> sure but if you're trying to get to like remote places and be mm -hmm. super off grid and be like you know really by yourself mm -hmm. you know do you want to push your rig if you know that it's mm -hmm. liable to get stuck right especially when you don't know who can pull you out yeah right. you're like i can call an off-road recovery company but do they even have the tools the trucks mm -hmm. and 
Basically, at a certain point, you just have to call the military and airlift you out. <laughs> airlift me out. Yeah. It has the setup for it, at least. Do you want a tow truck? No, I want a tow helicopter. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's not covered by your insurance policy. Yeah. Oh, no. That's, That's people gonna, covered everything. Right. That's going to be a minimum of uh, $150,000. <laughs> Looks like I got it. <laughs> so, oh. let's go ahead. I'll be shoveling out my way for like a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? Likewise. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If we're, when you got on the road, you were computer programming, and I know you were still kind of working maybe full time ish. Um, so everybody's always wondering, you know, how do you make a living on the road? How do you make it full time sustainable? So, how has that kind of worked out for you? Um, so, I was lucky to be able to keep my job. They I built the bus with the idea of just spending the weekends in it. And then at the same time that I was done with the build, my boss was like, hey, we're closing the San Francisco office. So, do you mind working remotely? You're like, no. <laughs> please. This has worked out perfectly. Man, I was really thinking about mm -hmm. not working remotely, but if you want me to. Doesn't really work for me, but uh, sure, sure, I sure. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually need to be paid more because mm -hmm. it's a big inconvenience. Uh, so I got my 95 the first uh, probably two years. And then I met up with too many influencers and I saw them doing some cool things during the weekdays and just enjoying life a little more than me. And mm -hmm. I was like, damn, that's that's what I want to do. So so I'm not an influencer and I quit my job. So I don't think I've done the right thing for now, but just leaving out the savings and figuring out how it's going to work. Yeah. So I guess the question is what, like, since you have been all around mm -hmm. all these influencers and you really see it as something that you might like to do, you know, uh, why haven't you started? And and um, oh, I've seen the amount of work you have to put in the videos, the podcast, the Instagram posts, and I was like, that's that's another full time job, yeah. and you don't have the guaranteed money at the end. So maybe I'll just keep my backup job as an option. Mm -hmm. Just. Mm -hmm. Could go back like hey take me back <laughs> yeah yeah well i think even too like with your skills with the computer programming and the like wizardry you could probably find some freelance work or something it's gigs. also not something i want to do anymore because mm -hmm. i i thought i would hate building the bus i was like that's probably a means to an end just to be able to have a bus and live in it but i actually love building stuff now mm. and i do enjoy less and less programming which mm. was my life i was like i want to be a programmer my entire life and i want to do exactly this and my job was my dream job and yet i quit it yeah so. i think what's incredible like that shows you that life like ebbs and flows and mm -hmm. things come in and out of your life like right now in this moment you might feel like that everything that you're thinking about is so important but five to ten years from now it might be like the last thing on your mind you know okay, you might want to yeah. run away from it mm -hmm. so i i mean i fully agree with you you know, I, I wanted to have that steady, you know, union job that I could make the money. And then, you know, five years in, then 10 years in, I'm like, I need to do something else <laughs> in my life. I want to go to Panama. Yeah. I want to yeah. <laughs> snowboard every mountain possible, you know? And yeah, life just changes. Mm. Yeah. When you least suspect it. Yep. Like, yeah. Uh, well, also being on the road, I feel like gives you a totally different view on life. Because it's not just like wake up, go to the office, mm -hmm. crunch it out, come home, make dinner, do it again. You're like seeing all these people in these beautiful places. Exactly. When you are when you got a 95 and everyone else around you also has a 95, you feel like your life is the same as everyone else. So you've mm -hmm. got to be doing the right thing because everyone's doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. But then you get into van life, bus life or whatever truck life it is. Uh, and you realize, oh, there's another way of living. Like it doesn't cost as much money. You don't have rent to pay. You only have diesel to pay. But if you mm -hmm. camp on the beach for a month, Basically, don't use any money that month. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you're going to have months at a much higher cost. You know, when, like, for instance, we just drove back from Panama all the way back to Baja, California. And looking at the, you know, the the month, we probably spent $1,500 in fuel, which is... Which what? is one month of rent in Correct. a decent apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Especially now. And we've been through seven countries in that time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it is a give and take to it always. Uh, but, but then we we get here and we're chilling on the beach for a week now, you know, and it, and we could extend it to three weeks and then that monthly bill changes again. Right. It like spreads itself. It feels like you're on a vacation all the time and it never ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, probably, that. especially for you now, cause you're not working at all. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's literally an endless vacation. Does it worry you at all? I don't want to like put my own fears in your head, but like yeah. to see your bank account kind of shrinking. Oh, definitely. Yes. I kind of worry about it every night, but then I'm like, I can always go back to the US and build some stuff with some friends. And that's actually what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is that kind of your next like wheels turning, mm-hmm. like make another project and... Yeah, find someone with already a shop established and just work a couple of months, build some cool things, maybe build another uh, truck. Mm-hmm. So those could be interesting to sell just like schoolies. I know the company I bought the truck from was like, hey, do you think, you know, other people would be interested in buying those kind of vehicles? I'm like, yeah, I can mm-hmm. probably give you a list of 50 people right now. <laughs> right. So, yeah, if they drop the prices, that could be kind of cool. Uh-huh. But, I mm-hmm. wonder if you could just even start, like, being the middleman and, like, selling them, you know? <laughs> like, you the know. Is, they're already the mailman, so I could be the mail, mailman. Middle, 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 Or even, like, if you bought or, like, I don't know, work out some kind of deal where you put like a little bit into it and then you know like with our friends um why can't i think of their name adaptive humanity Mm -hmm. they're building these like crazy overlanding rigs and they're kind of like getting it started for Mm -hmm. the other person to build Mm -hmm. so like doing the mechanical stuff with the rig doing like a little bit of the stuff in the back or like getting the box set up and then it's like okay off to you yeah that's what i would want to do because when you think about overlanding rig, you're like, it's either a small car, a small truck, a small SUV or something, or like one of those big half a million, a million dollar trucks. So it's pretty hard to get in unless you want to live in something really tiny. Mm-hmm. I feel like those trucks, they're kind of like the van life of overlanding. You can get one for half the price of a van right now, a mm-hmm. brand new van. And mine had three and a half thousand miles when I got it. 25 years old yeah yours is more of a baby than ours yeah uh, which is kind of crazy to think and we probably paid right around the same Mm. amount of money for it at the time because at the time we got really lucky and the van was probably about 15 grand cheaper Mm. just because of the simple fact of you know the market yeah, and that, yeah, that's there's wild. no supply anymore, and there's so much more demand. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of want to move into a van. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, there's, like, that basic thing of, like, everybody wants to move into a ProMaster, a Transit, or a Sprinter. Mm-hmm. And so there's this, like, narrow view of, like, those are the only three options. Mm-hmm. And so those three options have exploded in price mm-hmm. because there's such a demand for them. Whereas then you kind of turn the corner and you see Alex's rig mm-hmm. and you're like, well, that's the pretty same nice. Price, you could get something that... <laughs> As long as the longest promister, 4x4, four four, much higher. Mm-hmm. And I will say that there's like, um, there's kind of like a, f- that's like the future build in the sense of mm-hmm. like, you're in a van for a little while or a bus for a little while. And then mm-hmm. you either want to downsize from a bus or upsize from a van mm-hmm. and bam, you find the overlanding rig that could take you anywhere. You know, you have like, it's like the suite in between. 
So sweet in between because you got the length of the pants, um, 21.98, 22 feet long, yeah. which is perfect to go anywhere around town. And yet I'm 12 foot 8. Yeah, but which is the, tall. But the box is square and building something square... is easy. That, that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the sigh, the sigh of relief that you had when you said that. I could only imagine it. Like even, like the Promaster is pretty square for the van life mm -hmm. thing. But like there was this contour was hard as hell to do. I had to cut like a thirty percent, you know, angle, and then the top had to be cut differently, the opposite way. You probably had to do so much CAD cardboard that you did design. Oh yeah, <laughs> and just like math, you're like the wheels are turning like your Rain Man. Like mm -hmm. ah, if I do it backwards and then forward, ah. so hard. Yeah, and like also you want to utilize every inch, so like you don't want to make it square. Because yeah. then you're losing space, you know, where that's already square. Then you're like, how much insulation can I put? Because I'm losing space by just using more and more. But then I can also have a nicer yeah. temperature mm -hmm. inside. Yeah, yeah. And you could well, be good for winter or summer. The box I got that came with the truck already had four windows that are pretty cool. And was all of this play from. So three inches on top, three inches on the bottom, two inches on the side, which is just what I would do anyway in a bus or a van. Yeah, and mm -hmm. probably about five grand of material that you just saved. Probably, and it came with it. It's like you're already not doing all of the scary stuff when you just start building, where you have to think about insulation before you can do the cool thing of building cabinets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So cool. But now, so learning from your dad, you know, doing the carpentry and all that, now this rig you step into and it doesn't feel easier to do that type of stuff, like... You just know more what you're doing? Yeah, I, I pretty much knew what I was doing, but I didn't know which layout I wanted. Because, mm. like, this is a brand new layout, there's nothing. I cannot go online and find some inspiration. I can find those German trucks, which are half a, quarter, half a million, three quarter of a million dollars, mm -hmm. and the interior is really nice, but that's not something I can do. That's also not something I want to do. It's going to be too nice. I want to be into rough places where mm. I don't have to care about the interior, so... Finding the layout is what took me the most amount of time. So I was just doing stuff on the sides, like mechanical work, or just building the battery bank on the outside. Mm. Before I spent a couple of nights not sleeping, just mm. designing. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? Uh, so let me ask you this, because this is a concept that I think is foreign to people who are in buses and vans. Like, not having the ability to just kind of walk right back into your space. Has that changed the game in any that is way? Pretty scary not to have the pass-through where you can be like, hey, I don't feel like this spot is safe, I just want to drive out. I have to go out, I have to put the ladder back up, close the door, go around the truck, open the, the driver's side door and then climb in and drive out. Mm -hmm. But also in a way, you can't just rush your way out in the bus, you have to start the engine, get the air build up and then you have to wait a couple of minutes for the engine to warm up before you can actually move. So I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Also, you would lose so much in insulation. Like, all of the benefits of having the spray foam, you would lose it by just having a pass-through. Mm. Yeah, just because of that, the windows and everything mm. up front, you know, allowing the heat. And mm. I noticed that, like, in the winter or summer, most of the heat transfer comes through that, that front the space. The windshield, the yeah, firewall. And, and even the, um, the, the air vents. Right. If yep. you leave them open mm -hmm. and you it's can windy, feel the breeze, you can feel the breeze coming through them. So you actually have to close them. That's like something that I've learned to do when we're in a space for a while. That's one issue that I found out the first day or week that I moved into the truck was there's no airflow. The box is really sealed up. Mm -hmm. So when I run the diesel heater, 
and just being inside, I would have so much moisture just by breathing mm. the air inside. Interesting. So I had to make more holes just to get some airflow going in. Interesting. <laughs> so like basically when you have your heater on or you have your air conditioning on, whatever it is, the one good thing about air conditioning is it dehumidifies. And well, not enough. Not enough. No, it was like whenever you have a temperature gradient with the outside on the inside. Yeah. So when it's much colder on the outside, you got frost starting to happen on the windows. Mm -hmm. That's when you know you got way too much moisture mm. inside. Mm, interesting. And so I run the diesel heater taking air from the outside and pushing it in, but then I could feel my ear pops because it was too much pressure Whoa. inside. Because the air had nowhere to go and the diesel yeah. heater was shut off because it'd get too hot. Yeah, and you need you need like a 10% uh like on average like a 10 percent is like a good amount of airflow coming in from outside air like fresh like that fresh yeah, air which 10%. kind of feel counterintuitive because you're like i have to make holes to get some air from the outside air that is too hot or too cold for you yeah and then then i started my research and i was like oh i have to get an hrv heat recovery ventilation because you can get the air from inside or the outside and then mix it heat exchange it and mix yeah. it so that mm -hmm. way you don't lose all the heat you're spanning diesel yeah. to heat but yeah so basically before it comes into your space it mixes with the other mm -hmm. air heats the temperature of it up or cools it down depending on what you're doing and then comes into your space yeah but the problem is that air is a pretty good insulator already yeah. so it's really hard to mix it with colder warm hair mm -hmm. so I did not end up doing any of that and I just drilled a hole and I did one more fan on the side and that'll, that'll be it for now yeah so that's kind of what they do in air conditioning they have a ductwork and they have an actuator mm. and the ductwork comes to the same spot but then you have it's blocked off at like you know mm -hmm. this quarter part right here and then that actuator will open and or close depending on how much air you need if you if you have more than enough, you know, outside mm. air, it'll then close and then it'll reopen and so on and so forth. But with such a small space, it would basically almost always have to stay open, it seems like. Yeah. Because you'd build pressure mm -hmm. really quick. Oh, really quick. Mm -hmm. Like even yesterday, we had seven people watching a movie in the truck. All the windows closed and door closed. In 10 minutes, I could see some condensation on the windows. Mm. Only 10 minutes. Yeah, Devin came out like to walk the dog and he was like, oh, it feels so good out here. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it uh, even in our van, like, Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it heats up super mm -hmm. fast when you have a bunch of people inside. It's a tiny little space, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we're all putting off, you know, ninety-eight degrees basically mm -hmm. of heat, and you know that heat is has to go somewhere. Yep. And when it has nowhere to go, your next thing you know, your space is. And you also increase the humidity, which makes you feel even warmer, even though it's not. Mm -hmm. and yep. Doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. That's the reason why mm -hmm. fans and ventilation fans and all that stuff is mm -hmm. it's huge. It's huge in a van. I really wish I had a max fan on the roof, but I covered the roof with solar panels, so mm -hmm. I have no roof real estate anymore at all. Mm. Well, that's kind of the thing, is like, pick your poison, right? Yep. It's like, I was like, I can get one less panel, but then I probably won't have enough power, or I can just give up the fan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just open the windows. Yeah, I would probably do the same thing mm -hmm. again, because I need the amount of power. These little fans right here are a game changer for us. They're like, little, like, little they're boat fans. fans. Boat fans, mm. and they move a lot of air, especially if you're opening up your windows, and it will, you know, push the air through your space, which is really I've nice. been trying out the mini plate just in fan mode, mm -hmm. and I got the back doors in the back, so it just blows the air through the back doors, and yeah. that, that's been really good. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't use almost any power. Yeah, but when, when we're done with this podcast, I'll turn on those fans to you. <laughs> then you, can, you can see what it feels like. We're going to sweat in here until then. <laughs> if it wasn't for these fans, I wouldn't have made it through Central America. Oh, there's no way. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's so like, humid and hot. Yeah, and, and just with that fan in the mm -hmm. front, like the fan's good and everything, but it's it's not nearly enough 
you definitely need both fans in the mm -hmm. back to, to really push the air through. Yeah. Even like in our last van, we had a fan in the back, fan in the front, and we tried, you know, changing the airflow, but like the air would almost get sucked to the ceiling. Yeah. And if there's any wind outside, you can counteract the fan and you're not doing anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So much technical mojumbo <laughs> we've got going on here. Alex is like, I need to run away from this technical <laughs> stuff. Let's, let's get back into the meat and potatoes. Yeah. So you've been a solo traveler for the whole time that you've been on the road. Yep. Has that been lonely or you love it or like, you know, how is that? Uh, it's funny because I thought I really hated people and didn't want to be social. So that's why when I moved into the bus, I wanted to spend three weeks alone and... No, we're humans, we're social creators, so we have to socialize with other people. And the past two years I've been traveling, I would say, 85-90% of the time with other people. And that's, that's really what I'm looking for, is just traveling with others and just enjoying our time together. Imagine, it's like you live in apartments, but you can move your apartments a little further away from someone else if you just want to have some alone time one mm -hmm. night, just watch your own movie or TV show, just, just get some of that social... Uh, like a break it. or something? Yeah, just, you know? just take yeah. a break. Yeah, recharge. But, so it's recharge. like being neighbors, but you can move your house a couple of miles away for a couple of days and then come back with the group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's even better than being neighbors because like when we lived in apartment buildings in New York City, you don't know your neighbors, you don't talk to your neighbors, you maybe say hi in the elevator, but then you might not see that person again for like three months because your schedules don't link up mm -hmm. or whatever. Whereas in the, you know, in the van life when they're your neighbors, it's like... Hey, good morning. How are you? What are mm -hmm. you doing today? What's in? You know, you shoot the shit for a mm -hmm. while and then like people go do their own things or blah, blah, blah. But it's like, oh, tonight we're going to have a fire or tonight we're going to play a game or tonight we're going to, you know. So you're actually like hanging out with people rather than just like living your own solitary mm -hmm. life near other people. And you have experiences with those people. Let's go to hike. Let's go to the beach. Let's make a video for YouTube together. Mm -hmm. Let's make a podcast together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that aspect of it because it, it really allows you to grow as a person because you're you're seeing all these different walks of life, all these different types of people and what they come from and you hear and you learn and, and next thing you know, you've transformed into a different person a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, like, you went from hating people. Yeah, yep. you went from like being a... I went from thinking I would hate people yeah. to actually really liking hanging out with other people. Mm -hmm. And that's why, and it shows because mm -hmm. like literally... On the road, there's not a person that I don't know that doesn't really know you uh, in some type of way or mm -hmm. connected to you in some type of way. You're like the, um, what's that guy's name? Kevin Bacon. Uh -huh. <laughs> Seven degrees of Kevin Seven Bacon. Degrees Seven of degrees of Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like, he's just, he's just this type of person that, I don't know, you you have a really good energy. Like, you're, you're, you're not, like, crazy outspoken, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, like, you're not afraid to speak your mind or, like, you know... But you're, you're a very good listener. Well, and I think it maybe also helps that you're not creating content in a way. Because, like, if you're it's hanging out... It's kind of out, mysterious and people are like, oh, who's that guy? He hasn't posted in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not what it's about. You know what I mean? It's about, for you, it's more about the adventure and exploring these different places and meeting new people. You know, and you have that ability to do all those things, you know, with having the job on the road for so long. For a lot of creators, this that that's their job. They're like trying to make a living doing that. So if they don't do it, then they don't make a living. Yep. And then they, they literally can't travel anymore. No, it's, yeah. And it's pretty scary to think that they have to keep doing that all the time. And I kind of don't really want to be stuck in that. Maybe mm -hmm. it is a month I just want to relax, chill, not do anything. And if you don't do any content, you don't get any money that month. Or... Mm -hmm. 
Well, you so, would hope that the content you have up just keeps going. Yeah, but you that's for someone who already has a lot of content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, For yeah, me, yeah. who would be starting like a brand new channel, brand new mm-hmm. content, Gotta I wouldn't have years of history of content on the platform yeah. that mm-hmm. would keep trickling. One thing that I feel like that you're really good at is doing research and like figuring out things. So I feel like that before you even made the channel, you might have done enough research to have a video or two do pretty well. Plus, I've been listening to some people talking about YouTube a lot around Non-stop. me. Non-stop. AKA, <laughs> AKA me and Devin. We come into his, bu- we come into his, uh, his truck in the morning. Into the cafe. Into the cafe, and we're having coffee, and next thing you know, we're just like chatting about YouTube, and Alex is just there taking it in, giving suggestions. <laughs> He's fully in it. Yeah. The funny thing is, I've given advice for YouTube to other people, even though I don't do YouTube, yeah. just because I heard so much about it. And it's actually pretty interesting to see what works, what doesn't work, the way people have to adapt to make it work on YouTube. Yeah, and what's crazy yeah. is like what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for the other, depending on their audience. Yep, totally, you know? not at so all. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you had advice for like somebody that was jumping, like going to get on the road, like what, what would it be that like what's the best advice you could give to somebody? Uh, don't expect to leave full time of, of social media. It takes years, and I learned it by seeing a lot of people around me realizing that it doesn't work, mm-hmm. and going back to the job or just going back to buying a house and leaving that kind of life. Uh, that's why I'm pretty happy that I have the backup. I can go back to my job and start my 9 to 5 mm-hmm. again as a backup. I don't want to, but I know I have that backup. So when you start this life, can I have a backup and know that you can go back to your previous life? Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. Like yeah, Alex and I kind of have a similar opportunity. We could always go back to what we're doing. And I think that it's a great idea to pick up like a good job before you leave. Like If you think that this is in your future five years from now, find that, try to find that job to get you to that point mm-hmm. that you could always go back to. It's a, it's a great option to have. Never burn bridges. Well, and yeah, also, never burn bridges, yeah. yeah, like for you, for working those two years when you were in the van, you probably were able to save so much money because you weren't, you know, paying for the regular lifestyle that you would be doing. It's like... Just not paying rent in San Francisco, that was so much saving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Not rent, not insurance, not electricity, not water, not all of those expenses all the time mm-hmm. yeah no you can mm-hmm. like pocket so much of that mm-hmm. yeah then staying in the yukon for a year i wasn't paying much money because just staying in bus not driving it i was only running the diesel heater for heat and then buying some food that's yeah it. yeah that's amazing i was gonna ask um since you have had so many different like caravan experiences what's like a really great caravan experience and then maybe if you have like a really like not so great caravan experience wow that's a tough one uh i don't know easily keep hanging out with people that i really like and it just just happens to be most people (laughs) (laughs) uh i would say one of the things i do not want to do is struggle with like tons of people like caravan of five six seven ten vehicles Finding parking becomes impossible. I just like small groups, two, two three, four vehicles. That's mm-hmm. just the perfect size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing I think, the other aspect to it is sometimes you like trying to make a group decision could be hard. Absolutely. So, yes, you spend but, days trying to figure out where you're going to go and then you end up not going because one of your group doesn't want to go and 
like, oh, I guess we're missing out on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if you're a small group, you can all agree one night over a beer, like, hey, let's do that tomorrow. Okay, cool. We so, know we're going to find parking. We're only two, three buses. Vans. Right. You don't have to think about yes. it. You well, don't have like, seven 40-footers to park. <laughs> and if you do peace out on that one person that's like, I don't want to do it, they might get upset. You know yes. what I mean? So it's like, all right, do I want to hurt this person's feelings? You know, do I, like, you start asking yourself a lot of questions. And I think the thing about this lifestyle is to have the freedom. And so, like, losing that freedom just because you're in too big of a group mm-hmm. is one of the things that could really mess up the situation of this lifestyle for yourself. Totally. Thankfully, that hasn't happened to me yet. Mm-hmm. I've been hanging out with lots of people who also have their 9 to 5 on the road. So, we hang out for the weekdays and then we do activities on weekends. Mm-hmm. That also worked out really well. Mm-hmm. You yeah. get more free time and things so, like that. Sometimes I would travel a lot faster. Like on the way to Baja, we drove six, seven hours a day for a couple of days. Same thing when we went to Alaska. That was seven days of driving six hours a day. That group worked out really well. And then six months later, I was right after Scootypalooza hanging out for months at the same space. Mm. All right, give me one thing that's like a must in your in your rig. A must? Like have to have it. No negotiations. For me or for someone else? For you. For, you. for me, the AC. <laughs> the AC. I love that. I love that. Uh, I hate the heat. I love the cold. So I want to be able to hang out in places where people like to be on the beach when it's nice and warm. And I want to have my backup of just, I can go to my cooler, which is my bus. Nice. <laughs> Your chill box. Yeah, my yeah, chill, chill box. box. <laughs> and what, what's one thing that's like got to go? Oh, wow. I don't know. I know mine. Mine was the fruit hammock. The fruit hammock. Oh, I had a fruit hammock and it went. Yeah. Gotta go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I kept getting fruit coming down and then running all the way around the bus. Yeah. <laughs> the fruit hammock is like the number one. Like yeah. It's like the thing that you see in a video and you're like, ooh, I want one of those. <laughs> and then, then you're like, that was the dumbest decision I ever made. Yeah. Just wasted so much money on fruit. Yeah. Is there anything else you could think of that might be one of those? Uh, make sure you lock all your drawers and remember to lock them. <clears throat> Not talking from experience, absolutely talking from experience. <laughs> Especially now that I can't see the back when I'm driving, I gotta set up a camera or something, because you drive six hours and then you come back and you're like, oh, the fridge was open the whole time. Cool. Just food all over the yeah. floor. And like everything is gone. Oh, all right. That's yeah. so hard. Yeah, that is. So I've got a question. Thinking about like the nomadic community in general, um, do you have any like wishes? Like, for example, like a rule that you wish that all nomads would follow. Um, wow, I got a few rules, but I don't know. I'll take a few. Yeah, top, <laughs> top five, top three, whatever you got. I would say top one, but might be only for me, it's generators. Just don't come park next to me and run your generator 24-7. I'll happily plug you in and give you power, but please don't run a generator. I love that. Especially, that- do not run your 6,000 watt generator to run your AC right next to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a space thing. Like, yeah. You know, especially if there's like, it's one thing if you're like in an RV park mm-hmm. and like you've got spot A, spot B, spot C, but mm-hmm. like if you're in the wild. There's plenty of room. Just Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be five feet away from me. 20 feet is fine. Just stop. <laughs> I want to have room when I open my door to see the view, not have someone right in front of me. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> the generator next to you as well. I love that. That's awesome. I wouldn't even have thought of that because uh, we haven't really experienced it too much. Uh, I think maybe we've experienced it once or twice. But yeah, that's definitely one of those things mm-hmm. that 
could be very annoying. It's also something that might not happen again with the truck, because I can go pretty far away where people can't go. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's so true. Well, that's the thing, too. Someone like that comes, parks up on you, you say, all right, I'm leaving, you know, <laughs> just get out of there. Or right now, it'd be, wow, I'm impressed you made it all that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or there's got to be some kind of, like, limit on timing, too. Like, you're going to run that generator all night? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I would even say, like, the, the, the party like you know have yeah. some have some like uh just like knowing like okay it's 1 a.m mm -hmm. like i know you want to party but at least like bring the music down yeah sound carries really far especially on oh, yeah. um, land where there's no trees mm -hmm. you could be camped two miles away and still hear the party j tree mm, yep that was J-Tree. that's exactly Remember the one that? i'm thinking of yep. yeah we mm -hmm. were there together when that yep. was going on I was like, <clears throat> <laughs> all night to like four o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. you could like feel the bass yep. and like not everybody wants to hear that bass it's like the person that goes on the beach and blares their music yep. but, but there's another person right next to them also doing the same thing and it's like obviously they're competing you know with mm -hmm. noise who can go the loudest yeah and that's not enjoyable <laughs> to the rest of the people on the beach so just yeah. be considerate i guess we're trying to say yeah I but, like that rule. Yeah, I think that's a great one. But yeah, we appreciate you having on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, uh, you guys should definitely go check him out. Nomadic Alpha, uh, one of the best people we've ever met on the road. So. And if you ever see him at a meetup, definitely go say hi, because then you might live with him for the next three months. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're like Kelsen Jay, I'll live with you guys for a year. <laughs> <laughs> they were smart people. It's yeah. like, is he the friend that like you want to hang out, or will he just never leave? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. We hope you all have an FNA day. Yay. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All right. All right.